maybe hope, maybe even for us. We need a lot more people raising the ruckus, start making a fuss, start giving up. And get out into the streets and there may be hope. Hello, you're listening to KUBU, Low Power FM Radio in Sacramento. This is The Voice, The Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial, or you can also listen to the station on the internet, accesssacramento.org. This program is The Climate Report, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. We're on weekly at this day and time. The program is brought to you by 350 Sacramento, a local climate action group inspired by 350.org. I'll be your host, and each program will provide you with local, regional, and national news about climate change, as well as local calendar events, interviews, and more. For more details, including past radio programs, or if you have questions or comments, please visit 350sacramento.org. Hello, Sacramento. It's time again for the Climate Report. The connection between climate change and the megafires currently burning and continually threatening lives, health, homes, communities, wildlife, habitat, and the environment is stronger than ever. Likewise, is the need for resilience and reliable 100% renewable energy delivered through microgrids. On today's show, we'll hear from the prestigious medical journal, The Lancet Journal editor, who's explaining why doctors are obliged to protest in light of the threat climate changes poses to our health. We'll also learn why Northern California Yurok's tribe is moving to designate the Klamath River to have status as a person. Well, 350 Sacramento's own board member and climate activist, Elanka Zaltar, has been selected by ECOS as the Environmentalist of the Year to be given on November. And the Mayor's Commission on Climate Change has produced strong recommendations for the built environment, land use, and mobility, with more to come regarding health, economy, and more. Follow and participate in this work, starting by visiting the website lgc.org backslash climate commission. And I'll have summaries of these efforts on future shows. Music today, we're going to hear Herb Albert's version of Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. When you hear it, you'll understand why. And also, in light of all the fires, at Sheeran ceasefire. And now, find shelter and get ready. It's time for the Climate Report. Oh, misty eye of the mountain below Keep careful watch of my brother's souls And should the sky be filled with fire and smoke Keep watching over during suns If this is to end in fire Then we shall all burn together Watch the flames climb high to the night Calling out Father Oh Stand by and we will Watch the flames burn Over and on The mountainside My name is Richard Horton and I'm editor of The Lancet. 
The climate emergency that we're facing today is the most important existential crisis facing the human species. And since medicine is all about protecting and strengthening the human species, it should be absolutely foundational to the practice of what we do every single day. The GMC publishes an extremely important document uh, which guides all health professionals, duties of a doctor. The duties of a doctor are first and foremost to an individual patient or the public that they serve. The climate crisis is one of the most, I would say the most, existential crisis facing our communities in the world today. Doctors and all health professionals have a responsibility and obligation to engage in all kinds of non-violent social protest to address the climate emergency. That is the duty of a doctor. The GMC, based on its own documentation, should be fully supportive of all health professionals who engage in that kind of non-violent social protest. My thoughts about the doctors who've been arrested during uh, the Extinction Rebellion protests uh, are thoughts of extreme humility. I hope that those who work in the medical profession not just recognize the contribution that they have made personally, but make sure that they are protected from anybody who might seek to damage or harm their future careers in medicine. We're the only species um, that exists that's created this incredible superstructure of a health system. Fundamentally, human beings care about each other. We wouldn't have built health systems if we didn't care about each other. We wouldn't have nurses, we wouldn't have doctors or any other health professionals, we wouldn't have created clinics or hospitals unless we fundamentally loved one another. Surely there's not only great hope but also uh, great encouragement for health professionals and their organizations and other groups in society to work together, to cooperate together to solve these problems that we face collectively. If every single person who's a health professional, just did one thing every single week, we'd be having millions of people committing themselves, acting in a way that when you multiply that up over time could be absolutely transformational for the politics of our country. That should be inspiring hope amongst all of us that we really can achieve social change. And if you look at the history of social activism and the history of social change, that is what has done it. The brave acts, sometimes the small brave acts, of a large number of people have made the difference. And that's our task, our responsibility today in the 21st century. In the words of the great Louis Armstrong, in answer to young people saying, what do you mean it's a wonderful world? Well, how about all those wars all over the place? You call that wonderful? And how about hunger and pollution? That ain't so wonderful either. It ain't the world that's so bad. It's what we're doing to it. What a wonderful world it would be if only we would give it a chance. Love, baby, love. That's the secret. Yeah.
Ilanka Zaltar, 350 Sacramento board member, has been nominated by the Environmental Council of Sacramento as Environmentalist of the Year. Ilanka is a shining light in the climate movement. She's a scientist as well as a belly dancer, an organizer extraordinaire, a member of the 350 Sacramento board, an amazing networker, and an all-round phenomenal leader. Ilanka was instrumental in organizing 350 Sacramento's Youth Camp for Climate Action this summer, a three-weekend overnight activist training at Camp Pollock. 37 young people participated in the camp, learning techniques for making change, and many are already plugged into actions in their schools or the Global Week of Action that came up last September. Young people are stepping up as leaders in the climate movement, and Alonka has taken on the training and mentoring of the youth team. The list goes on and on. It's hard to even begin to cover all of Alanka's accomplishments. She envisioned and organized the biannual Ode to Earth, a performing arts showcase combining art and activism. She helped start Green Drinks, a monthly gathering for young environmentalists. She's been the MC for 350 Sacramento's Town Halls, Change Fest, and March for Science. She works on climate policy and climate justice for the California Air Resources Board. Keeps everyone laughing and stretching as we work on extremely serious and dire issues. We need more Alankas in the environmental movement, people who are fun and multifaceted, who can bring together various groups and issues, who are smart and warm and human, and can inspire others to get involved. Ilanka is such an exemplary environmentalist. She truly deserves to be Environmentalist of the Year. Congratulations, Ilanka. Albert's version of Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful World. You're listening to KUBU, Low Power FM Radio in Sacramento. This is The Voice, The Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial, or you can also listen to the station on the internet, accesssacramento.org. This program is The Climate Report, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Over the last few years, as climate change alarm bells have rung louder and louder, various groups have started pursuing novel legal strategies to combat it. One of the most recent came from the Yurok tribe in the Klamath Basin in Northern California. In May, the tribal council there passed a resolution declaring rights of personhood to the Klamath River. The idea is to provide a new legal remedy in tribal court if the river is harmed. The Klamath is the first river in North America with this designation, but other cities and countries around the world have pioneered similar strategies. Amy Cordalis is the general counsel for the Yurok tribe. She joins us now from Klamath, California on the Yurok Reservation. It's great to have you back on the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. What is, just to start with the the big general question, what is personhood in the context of a body of water? It is the ability to have standing in court. 
So that means that you, an entity, the tribe, are able to bring a legal cause of action in a court to basically address a harm done to the river itself. The river so, itself, as okay. opposed to, say, uh, the fact that um, that returning Chinook are a, a tiny, tiny fraction of what they once were, and they're an endangered species. I mean, there there are existing mm-hmm. laws and lawsuits. I mean, that mm-hmm. that many tribes have been a part of, and many entities have been a part of. I mean, what does mm-hmm. this let you do that you couldn't do before? That's a great question. So. Um, In this country, under federal law, and let's just take the Endangered Species Act, for example, um, citizens are able to bring lawsuits for harm to a listed species. On the Klamath, the coho salmon are listed as endangered. And any time the federal government takes action that harms the coho or takes the coho, Uh, citizens are able to bring a lawsuit to address the harm to the coho. But that doesn't get us to protecting the entire ecosystem, right? And so what declaring the rights of a river does is it allows legal standing in courts to address comprehensive harms to the river itself. So it's ecosystem-wide. And that allows a broader range of protection, a stronger range of protection for the river than what is currently available under existing federal law. What in particular led the Tribal Council to pursue this designation? Several things. Um, you know, we have we talked a year ago about the extremely compromised salmon runs on the Klamath River The Klamath River used to be the third largest salmon producing river in the entire Pacific. Uh, The last four years, this year included, we've had the smallest returning runs in history. Um, There's a lot of factors, bad habitat, bad water quality, um, poor or really low water levels, climate change, all that kind of stuff that has caused that. Um, but there's nothing that we've been able to do to address those comprehensive harms. Um, and it's urgent at this point. If we don't take significant action to protect the river, then those fish are at risk of going extinct. And that leads me to another point as to why the council did this is the Klamath River is the lifeblood of the Yurok people. Uh, We have lived here since the beginning of time and um, we have the great privilege of benefiting from the natural bounty of the river. The river has supported us since the beginning of time. And now that it is compromised and and really hurting, it is our obligation as people to protect it. So what's what's very cool about tribes is that they are, you know, Yurok is a federally recognized Indian tribe, and we have inherent sovereignty within our reservation. 
So let's yeah. let's turn to. I mean, you, this is what you were getting to just there in terms of of the sovereign nation um, and your ability mm-hmm. to to make this designation. From what I understand, um, if you, if you were to to bring some claim, um, this would be in tribal court. Um, but the the Klamath River is it's it's not just within Yurok land. It involves two different states. Involves you know the federal government. Involves mm-hmm. other tribes as well. So. So what would mm-hmm. it mean? And if we're talking holistically about, you know, this entire basin, what does it mean to have one sovereign nation, the Yurok tribe, say, this has these rights, if the river goes past your sovereign nation's boundaries? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a few responses to that question. Um, one, one of the things that we've learned is, of course, the the river starts in southern Oregon and then winds its way down into northern California. And the Yurok Reservation straddles the river a mile on either side of the river from the mouth of the river up 45 miles. Um, and so what happens in Oregon affects what happens on the lower 45 miles of the river on the Yurok Reservation. And of course, you know, water management, water decisions in terms of allocation, diversions for agriculture greatly impacts what happens on the Yurok Reservation. Even agricultural runoff um, makes its its way down from Oregon into the Yurok Reservation and compromises water quality and um, affects our fish, affects the river. And so what we could do with the resolution is say the water quality on the Yurok Reservation is really poor and the pollutant is coming from, let's say, a non-point source up the river. But if we can track that back to the particular polluter, then we can um, address that harm on reservation. So it it does um, get into jurisdictional issues, which is always uh, complex, (laughs) which is always complex in Indian country. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, tribes have the ability to protect their own resources through their laws and tribal resources and courts. And so we would we would make those arguments. There have been, as I mentioned at the beginning, a variety of, of, of newish legal theories in the last couple of years in this country and, and I guess around the world, um, but in this mm-hmm. country to try to force state or federal governments to take action on climate change by asserting individual rights in various ways, looking at various parts of the U.S. Constitution. The federal Juliana lawsuit that we've talked a lot about in recent years, brought by 20-something young people, is like probably the highest profile example of that, but that hasn't gone to trial yet. What a stat- Established rights do. Let's say that um, that you know that your this idea withstands a legal challenge, and the personhood mm-hmm. of the river is not challenged. What rights do people mm-hmm. have when it comes to climate change? Well, so I think the, the one thing that controls the American legal system is precedent. Right. So the way that we build law here is we take little baby steps to mold our law in a direction that protects societal values. And and here, under the U.S. Constitution, corporations already have personhood rights. And that's a reflection of our country's historical values of um 
commerce, right? We always supported commerce. We supported economy. And so we wanted to be able to protect corporations um, in order to allow them to thrive. So now we are in a place of a climate crisis where it's very important that we use all of our available tools to protect the environment because in a lot of ways, if we don't protect our environment, then we are actually causing a direct harm to ourselves, right? Because we're at a place where if we don't take actions, things like the salmon are going to go extinct and then we're not going to have salmon to eat. So I think it's a logical next step, a logical next baby step uh, to declare personhood rights for nature in the same way that we've done in this country for corporations, because that will allow us that greater scope of protection for nature, gives us more options of bringing lawsuits that protect the whole comprehensive environment, the whole comprehensive ecosystem that then hopefully would result in greater protections for the natural environment. And then that could help stop climate change. And of of course, that is important for food security and so on and so forth. Um, But I really think where we're at now is seeing that societal shift where we're, we're recognizing that our climate is not well and we need to better protect it. And the law has always been a way of preserving uh, and protecting what's important to society. So this is a logical next step in that effort and responding to the climate crisis. What do you see as a first possible legal challenge that you would bring based on this designation? What's the the best use of this new Mm -hmm. tool? So at your, in your country, um, we are in a very remote area of Northern California, and um, our reservation straddles the, the Klamath River up from the mouth 45 miles. And the most southern part of the reservation is, is you know, very heavily wooded um, And historically, it has been an area with just rampant illegal marijuana grows. We have had um, the Mexican cartel, the Romanian mafia, um, the Russians, Asian monks on our reservation growing marijuana illegally. And these are very large um, grows. They're incredibly harmful to the environment. They use toxic chemicals, which then get into the creeks, which flow down into the main stem of the Klamath and extremely uh, compromise water quality. So I would see us being able to use this resolution and subsequent um, ordinance to haul people like that into our tribal court to say, hey, amongst other violations of tribal law, you have also violated the rights of the Klamath River by exposing it to toxins and pollutants. Amy Cordellis, thanks very much for joining us once again. I, I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Amy Cordalis is general counsel for the Yurok tribe in Northern California. Don't forget to check out my other radio program on KUBU, Making Tracks. 
focusing on wildlife, nature, and environmental issues every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. right after the Climate Report. And be sure to tune in Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for Radio EcoShock and the latest on science, issues, and authors dealing with climate change and the environment on a global scale. Hosted and produced by Alex Smith. Don't miss it. You're listening to KUBU, Low Power FM Radio in Sacramento. This is The Voice, The Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial, or you can also listen to the station on the internet, accesssacramento.org. This program is The Climate Report, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. We're on weekly at this day and time. This program is brought to you by 350 Sacramento, a local climate action group inspired by 350.org. I'll be your host, and each program will provide you with local, regional, and national news about climate change, as well as local calendar events, interviews, and more. For more details, including past radio programs, or if you have questions or comments, please visit 350sacramento.org. There may be hope, maybe even for us. We need a lot more people raising a ruckus, start making a fuss, start giving up. Get out into the streets and there may be hope 